Hello listeners and welcome back to the Oxford Brooks Unscripted podcast and welcome back to Oxford Brooks. Whether you're a fresher or a returning student, I hope you're feeling bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready for the next academic year and hopefully this podcast will help you in your research during the year. So today we'll be talking to Dr Julia Rossetti who is a tremendous and passionate researcher looking at festivals and if anyone knows me I'm a big festival fan so it was really nice to start learning more about how festivals aren't just for us to go and have fun at. We actually learn a lot there. So get ready. I hope you enjoy it. The first of this year and the first of many to come. Let's go unscripted. Hello listeners. Hope you're well. Today we're talking to Dr Julia Rossetti, who is a lecturer in event management at the Business School at Oxford Brooks. So welcome, Julia. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello, Sophie. Hi, everybody. Thank you for inviting me. You're the first proper guest in 2020, well, 2021, 2022. So it's lovely having you. Mm. First of all, if you were in a pub or if you were at a festival per se, how mm. would you maybe describe your research to someone who might not know about research and PhDs? <clears throat> all right. I like the idea of being like in a pub in a very informal learning environment, let's say like that, because that was really the focus of my PhD studies. Yeah, I will focus about those, about the my PhD dissertation. So um, I investigated, let's say, the cultural outcomes of festival participation. So my PhD was uh, a research into book festivals, literary festivals. Mm -hmm. So I had the two case studies, one in Ireland and one in Italy. And basically what I wanted to understand was um, can people, especially adult attendees, learn something while attending festivals or maybe not just learn notions, uh, but learn or acquire some type of cultural resources while participating in festivals? Mm -hmm. And if so, how? So it was very much more exactly as, you know, we are in a pub, right? We are yeah. discussing this in a pub. So <laughs> it was literally understanding the, the role of festivals, in this case, literary festivals, as informal arenas where people can acquire cultural resources. Mm. And when, I, when, I, when I'm talking about cultural resources, I used um, <clears throat> a cultural sociology term, which is cultural capital, right. um, which was theorized by French sociologist Pierre Bourdieu. So basically what he said was that every person has economic capital, money, social capital, relations, and cultural capital. So that is the, the concept that I used in my research. So according to him, every person has three states of cultural capital. We possess cultural capital that is institutionalized, so as in like educational qualifications. Mm -hmm. So for example, a PhD qualification, yeah or objectified cultural capital, so cultural goods. In a case of, for instance, if we think about book festivals, the, thir the first thing that you might think of, like it's books, mm. right? So during a book festival, you can buy books, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the third state is uh, the embodied state 
of cultural capital. So basically the cultural resources that you can embody. Okay, so this incorporation of knowledge, skills, but also values, uh, beliefs, uh, uh, way of beings, what he, what he called bodily axis, you know, mm. everything is related to your cultural background that you kind of accumulated year by year, right? Yeah. So basically, I wanted really to understand uh, if people can acquire all these states, what Bordeaux mm-hmm. called states, while attending festivals. And uh, if so, what exactly? they they acquire and how in mm-hmm. which kind of ways so what i discovered was that yes people were able to learn something new to acquire even skills to develop skills while they were at the festival uh, but also values uh, uh, behaviors uh, and sometimes these outcomes uh, also lasted after the festival so while people were at home and the ways that people acquired these resources were really different from uh, uh, several different variables, let's say. So people were stimulated even to acquire cultural capital, cultural resources Mm -hmm. after their participation. And I was also able to see from the findings that they were able, again, in different ways, in different manners, uh, to gain from their participation all three states so for example people were yes learning something new maybe about a book a writer but also not related to literature so it it really went beyond the literary field sector so they were able to maybe by chatting while they were queuing they were learning something about the town or something really not connecting with the experience Uh, or they were for instance, eating the local food. So they were learning about cultural intangible and tangible cultural heritage. They were visiting local museums, local churches. They were acquiring skills. For example, during a workshop, they were learning, you know, there were writing workshops there. So they were developing their writing skills, but not only. So the cultural resources that they learned, that they acquire, were multiple and they were both related to the literary field Mm. as well as general so more broadly cultural resources yeah and also I, I was able to understand that the way people really acquired these cultural resources were several so for instance I mentioned eating the local food uh, Mm. chatting with each other but also uh, exploring again as I said the local town people were having fun yeah learning at the same time the role of the body was very important Uh, even the location of the festival venues uh, kind of like shaped the ways people were Mm. engaging were consuming the festivals uh, and so therefore learning about new things Uh, somebody also of course they bought books so they in a way acquire cultural resources in terms of cultural goods but some attendees also bought paintings Mm. right so that was not related to literature or somebody else uh, said that they attended a book award during the festival and for them their award was literally a qualification so Mm. they felt that you know the fact that they won that award was an educational qualification, so what Bourdieu's called the institutionalized state of cultural capital. Right. So 
all this means basically that festival contexts are so rich. The experience that we can um, live and what we can gain from participation uh, so much. And sometimes it really goes beyond the type of the festival. So for in this case, literary festival. And sometimes, uh, again, we, we really see the outcome beyond participation. So we... I suppose lots of people after a festival, they, you know, after being at a festival, you keep in thinking about maybe what you saw or what you heard. You might even, you know, chat with some friends or when you were at home, you might want to do some research because you overheard something or you saw, you know, maybe a book in term again, talking about yeah. literary festivals. So it, they, they can really be important parts of our lives. You know, they sound like a cultural hotbed of mm. all sorts of ways you can benefit yourself. And if, I mean, I have so many, so many questions coming from those. But I mean, it's no surprise to me. I think it's really interesting what you're saying that it does go beyond whatever the type of festival it is. And that doesn't surprise me as particularly within the arts are so overlapping and they feed into each other so much, I guess the mere existence of books and novels talking about the world it then itself feeds into food music it's just so rich I think that was the word you said it's so rich and what what do you think it is about the festival environment that encourages this kind of openness people's openness to to learning well there are loads loads of factors so for my PhD, I was able to structure, identify yeah. some factors that influenced the ways people were acquiring this cultural capital. And I divided them into two groups, basic subgroups. So internal elements and external elements. So the internal ones were really related to the person. So, for mm-hmm. example, their pre-existing interests, because... Uh, you just mentioned, you know, books related to food or cuisine. So if, if this is your interest before going to a festival, you might decide to attend events just related to this kind of topic. Mm-hmm. So that means that it's going to give you the possibility to listen to authors talking about new types of food that you might maybe want to try once you're at home, or you can chat with people, with other attendees while you wait the event to start mm-hmm. and things like that. Or you might want to try new food because there's kind of like tasting at the festival, during the festival. So that is a factor that can actually shape your participation, your festival consumption, and in turn, what you gain from the experience. And then there are external factors. So, for example, the festival features, so the events, uh, the types of events that the festivals can offer, or the space, the time, the cultural context as well, the social context, uh, that was very important because festivals are social gathering. Mm. So it's it's about people meeting at a certain time in a certain place, talking about a particular topic. So it's really about people and mm-hmm. they interact, how they engage with each other really is extremely important in terms of uh, uh, when we are going to investigate outcomes, individual mm. outcomes. I mean, it seems that festival the the festival organizers have this wonderful opportunity to not only see 
see this as I mean I'm sure they don't I'm sure this is this is um incredibly interesting to them too but they have this wonderful opportunity to really de design something that can be so advantageous to the to the visitor more so than just providing book stands if they realize what they this opportunity they have they can harness this wonderful opportunity for people to learn and I mean it's it's so it's so interesting and obviously so far-reaching because festivals there's festivals and everything countless but how was it that you got into this because I don't think I've ever spoken to someone that studies festivals before so how did you find it? That is true is a niche it's well my background like I study languages cultures tourism I was always interested in really understanding you know cultural behaviors consumer behaviors uh, how people interact with each other because I really study languages so that was uh, I've also always been fascinated by that and then I moved on uh, for during my master's I studied tourism Mm -hmm. So it, it basically, little by little, I started to research festivals, literature also, yeah. like reading. So it became natural. It was, <laughs> it was, but you are correct in saying that it's, there are not that many researchers, especially on literary festivals. Mm -hmm. So there are loads of scholars really exploring music festivals or sport festivals and especially the economic outcomes talking about outcomes uh, there are a lot of studies uh, on on those aspects or maybe the management process mm -hmm. but more and more studies are actually exploring the social and cultural impacts of festivals and events so that is also good i think i think it's it's so it's nice that you describe that as natural because i think people have this idea that you go to university and you know what you want to research and you have this goal but I think it is I see it as a moving goalpost in in how you find what you really are interested in like you followed being interested in tourism and languages and the further you went down that and you found you know you also love literary festivals it's it just seemed to click into place and I think that's when you find someone that's truly passionate about something it's I think natural is a is a wonderful way to describe how they came across it and would be would that be your advice to people knowing that they want to kind of pursue research but not entirely being finding the research question a stumbling block yeah, yeah, that could be, especially for those starting a PhD. I think that, yeah, one of the top tips would be find a topic that you're really interested in mm -hmm. uh, because you are going to spend uh, three, four years reading, writing, rereading, rewriting about mm -hmm. that topic specifically, which is going to be a niche topic. So, yes, interest, passion, uh, that is one of the, the top tip, definitely. Yeah. I think people might see because that's been said a couple of times on on this podcast and I think it's worth drilling in because I think people still see it as cheesy to say to follow your follow your passion but truly like you just said if you're spending three years on something three or four years minimum on a particular topic you, you should love it <laughs> otherwise you're not going to enjoy it and how how do you think in an ideal world how would you foresee people, first of all, finding your research, but then how could it be used 
to would it be used to inform festival organizers or inform cultural scholars what would what in your ideal world how would your research be used I hope both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, as ever scholar, I suppose, you know, when, when you publish articles uh, or when, when you finish your PhD, you do it, yes, because you're interested in that topic. You really want to understand the nitty gritty of what happened in that situation, especially for a qualitative researcher, because I'm, I'm 100% qualitative. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not mixed methods or quantitative, but long term hopefully I will uh, also have opportunities to just really work a little bit more on the cons- not just on the consumption side so and really understanding the consumption perspective so the, the participants but also on the production mm-hmm. uh, perspective really understanding festival design and uh, maybe why not yeah providing suggestions for festival organizers mm-hmm. so, yeah but I, I do think they go hand in hand so understanding your attendees is going to be helpful for you as event manager to really provide a very good experience for them Um, and vice versa of course it's 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 a loop so they they don't work in dichotomies term completely separated from each other so um, yeah no one informs the other oh yeah definitely and I think that's that should always be in mind when doing research is how can I give to this to this subject but also carry on learning from it also and I mean speaking of before I start rounding up I'd love to know following Mm -hmm. what's been a bit of a strange year what are you looking forward to in terms of existing in the academic world I'd say I really would like to go beyond literary festivals Mm -hmm. so really exploring other type of festivals and uh, and why not of course uh, attend festivals in yeah. person <laughs> so we have seen nice. so many festivals really going digital virtual some hybrid as well after a year of really attending online conferences online meetings online classes online festivals uh, is going to be really good being you know physically there leaving the the festival vibe yeah so yeah that's going to be it's going to be really nice I bet I can imagine because it is it's something that's so valuable to good quality research is being able to be in that environment and soak it all up I can imagine that's just such a crucial part of what you do and I'm looking forward to to hearing what what you get up to and what festivals you go to we'll definitely follow along and lastly is there any any way people can stay in you know in the loop about your research do you have a twitter do you like that kind of thing (laughs) I do I do wonderful I think it's yeah, as Julia Rosette one nine, but all my publications are also um, on the Brooks webpage where Wonderful. staff profiles so are that's updated. We'll make sure to, to link to that. And yes, for people who are on Twitter, the Twitter handle is Julia Reset19. I think you can find it by searching Dr. Julia Rossetti. I'm a big fan of academic Twitter, so I'm glad you do have one. I think it's I think it's our duty as researchers to to share our share our work. So I'm always pleased when a guest has one. <laughs> I totally agree with you. It's it, it's a it's a wonderful medium. Okay, well, thank you so much, Julia, for for talking and talking so wonderfully about your PhD. Congratulations again, 
and thank you yes. Sophie. thank you for listening everyone and goodbye bye bye so there we have it listeners if anything what you can take away from this podcast is that we now have an educational excuse to attend festivals <laughs> maybe don't use that with your supervisor and certainly don't cite me but i hope you enjoyed the episode i really enjoyed speaking to julia and yes, if you want to stay up to date with our new podcasts, upcoming podcasts, follow the Public Engagement Network on Twitter. We always share our episodes for Spotify, for Apple, whatever you use to uh, listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Take care.